Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It's the top of the week. We want to thank everybody who has written in on our previous Strange News segment where we looked at the uh, possible catastrophes awaiting airlines. We looked at suspicious deaths in Pakistan. Uh, We looked at a Corvid takeover of a town in California. Now we're shifting to something different. We've got some got some stories on the forefront of cloning science. We've got some disturbing stories from our neck of the woods here in Georgia, the state, not the country for now. And uh, we also have a little bit of a car stuff story. And and Matt, Noel, you guys know that I've been pretty excited about this one. Uh, anytime we get a chance to to look at the world of automotives, I'm I'm usually all about it. Maybe the best way in is to to say this. And this is something all our fellow conspiracy realists who have been trying to buy or sell a car are very well aware of right now. Uh, the three of us are car owners. And I think we all have quite nice cars. Uh, We are also probably not going to try to buy new cars in the immediate future because the world's supply chains have absolutely, you know, they mess with every industry and used cars, especially at a premium now. So much so that if you have leased a car and your lease has expires this year, you probably should just buy it outright from the dealer and then go sell it to another dealer because the price of used cars has gone up like 35% or something. It's nuts. And with this first story, I predict that the value of used cars is only going to increase. Uh, we did a, we did an episode years back, many moons ago about the idea of big brother being in a person's automobile. Do you guys remember that one? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, the yeah. idea of like uh, potential, you know, hack points even like to control a, a car that has too much uh, digital guts. Yeah, and the kind of the standard thing that many automobile insurance companies as well as manufacturers are doing where those two entities are working together to monitor what's happening inside the car and all the systems and then how that translates to, you know, how safe of a driver you are and then how much you have to pay for your insurance. This is a tiny little addition, but like there was a story recently about how apparently Tesla's can like automatically order themselves replacement parts. <laughs> like, yeah, that's taking things a, a step far, in my opinion. I mean, I guess there are some people that just have enough money in the bank that they they are they're good with that scenario, and it keeps them from having to think about it. But someone who maybe isn't aware of that feature and saved all their pennies to get their Tesla, and then all of a sudden has like a giant you know credit card statement because of some expensive part that might not be so great. Yeah, agreed. And that's a real thing, too. Here's something that has shaken up the car world. Uh, This story first hit earlier this month in January, but I wanted to save it until we had a little bit more visibility, aka until I could read the actual language of this bill. Uh, So, you know, we're in divisive times. Every political party is looking for reasons to, you know, Uh, criticize or attack uh, their political opponents. And this story recently became the newest front for that acrimonious conversation. Here's the headline. In a few years, if you buy a new car in the U.S., you are also going to be under incredibly advanced surveillance. The idea is that any, any new car made after 2024 or so, 2026, I think, is going to be required to have advanced AI monitoring of the driver. Now, we talked about this a little bit off air um, because I'm a dog with a ball and this kind of stuff, or a badger with a bag. (laughs) Yeah, but the the idea is pretty simple. So let's let's say Codename Doc buys a new car after this thing goes into play. Then this system in this car, however vaguely defined, will monitor her driving habits. It'll use algorithmic learning to understand what a normal driving day is for Doc Holiday, And then using that data it's collected, if Doc is driving in an erratic manner, or if the algorithms determine that she may be impaired somehow, the system will be able to Details are vague again, but the headline is the system will be able to kill the car, just kind of like brick it or refuse to start at all. Uh, this will remind people of, you know, in I believe it's I, I think it's every state now. But uh, from my understanding, people who have a DWI or DUI conviction will when they're getting their license back, they will need to use what's called an interlock device, which is basically a breathalyzer you have to blow into before your if you want your car to start. Uh, I don't. If you've seen forty yeah. year old virgin, you're aware of this technology. Yes, yes, yes. And this is so. This is interesting to me because the story got exaggerated, embellished. There was a lot of alarmism, but just like off the cuff, hearing about what you've heard so far, where are you guys at on this? Is it overreach? Is it is it a good safety measure? Are there problems you can see along the way? Mm, I'm trying to link it back to the discussions we've had of property ownership in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. And like, is that vehicle really yours? Should you have the freedom to operate that thing if you truly own it as an object uh, whenever you see fit, despite the laws of the land? Mm -hmm. Um, That's a weird... It's a weird thing because you are definitely endangering others when you take that action, right, of driving while impaired. Yeah, I mean, but it's also like one of these things where, you know, we are all legally bound to register our vehicles and to pay for, you know, emissions testing, depending on the city that you live in, and to, you know, make sure that your registration is up to date. Um, I know those aren't the same as having actual mandated things within the mechanics of your, your vehicle, but... They're not that far a jump to me, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, that's just the, the first thing that comes to mind. I'm not saying I'm for this, but it does feel like, you know, there are things that we are required to do 
we're not able to just say, nope, I can own a car and I don't have to do any of that stuff. Um, yeah. So it could well be that as you know, time progresses, these things become more and more common and, and it doesn't feel so much like a breach. But mm-hmm. right now it kind of does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's one of my concerns as well. So to quickly walk through it first, let's do some old school stuff they don't want you to know myth busting. Let's separate fact from fiction. You're going to see a lot of reports that claim there is kill switch legislation. It is true that this idea is a law. It has it has passed. Uh, it was the idea that it could shut your car off is not quite what the bill says. But this got this speculation was started by an actual government representative, Representative Bob Barr here in Georgia on November 29th, 2021, started talking about this kill switch. But if you look at what the bill actually says in section 24220, it talks about regulations for what they call advanced impaired driving technology. And you can you can see the section of the bill online if you would like, encourage you to do so. But what it actually says is that they want this equipment to passively monitor a driver's performance such that it can identify when something is up with them. Uh, And then if they are found to be impaired, it will, quote, prevent or limit operation of the vehicle, which is kind of a kill switch. They just don't use that phrase. And then it can also detect, again, passively the blood alcohol level of a driver. What could go wrong with this? Well, there are a couple things. First is the practicality of this. The technology to do this doesn't exist yet. This is a law about a thing that people cannot build yet. Because think about like the most basic thing. Okay, let's say someone is, let's take out the moralism of drinking alcohol and driving while impaired. Let's say that someone has a medical condition, right? Maybe they have a a heart attack or they have a seizure of some sort. Um, or maybe they as it's as simple as just something gets in your eye under your contact lens and you can't see, so you're driving crazy, obviously, because you can't see. How would this system be able to determine a safe place to slow down and stop? You know what I mean? Like picture you're on the interstate, you're doing 75, and that probably makes you one of the slower drivers if there's no traffic. How does this thing, without human assistance, navigate over to the side of the road and stop safely without hitting anything else. You know what I mean? Like, how does this work if you're on a bridge? There are practical problems with this. We see this a lot. Whenever large government mandates come out in the U.S., the year it's supposed to happen is almost never the year it actually happens. It feels like they're going to get to a few years down the road and they're going to say, oh, we still can't build this. This is the fabled scenario that I don't know we've encountered before, where legislation is outpacing technology, Ben. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) It is, but it's doing it in like the way I just re-listened to our CEO episode. And thanks to everybody who wrote in with awesome feedback. But it, it reminds me of the way like business execs make proposals. They say, you know, imagine a world where elephants can fly and speak Portuguese. That's the world we're working for. And we think that we'll be there in five years. And everybody in the boardroom's like, yeah, sure. You're a visionary, a genius, but no one can do Blue sky. Blue sky. That's it. <laughs> but also like who, who determines the, uh, the course of history in that way for such an odd flex in that direction. Right. Yeah. Like, like to me, this feels like overreach and like there are plenty of safe alternatives to like, like, do we need this is my question? Well, uh, let me put this forward to you, because I I think we maybe do need something like this. I think in your in the scenario you outlined, Ben, where, you know, it was the vehicle in motion and then it detects that there's something wrong with the driver. I don't think it would ever be like that. I, I don't think that would be able to function like the driver is now impaired after they've been driving the vehicle already. Uh, I think it would be a startup sequence that the vehicle goes through every, every time you turn it on the way that existing technology is where you'd have to blow into the breathalyzer essentially to activate the vehicle. Mm -hmm. I think it would be an assessment of the driver prior to actually, you know, putting it in drive or reverse or whatever to go. Um, 
that's my only way that's my only way of thinking how it would function and then uh i i don't know i just i i feel like we do need that kind Ooh. of i i i hate the concept of government or of some corporation being our you know individual nanny watching us and our behavior uh but it's dr- drunk driving is a problem right right in just uh 2019 there were over 10,000 alcohol impaired driving fatalities in the US it is a problem but but is this while drunk driving on the surface might be the reason for like pursuing this kind of technology isn't it kind of a slippery slope argument whereas i mean is there concern for abuse of the system or of you know undue monitoring that really does infringe on our privacy, you know, for people that possibly. behave themselves. Yeah, possibly. There it's troublingly vague. There are no details in the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, which is a gargantuan bunch of paperwork. There are no details about exactly how these mechanisms would work. There are no details about what happens to the data gathered. That's uh what is it? It's a is it a third party company? Is it selling the information about people's driving habits, essentially the metadata of you every time you're in a car? And if so, how does that get used in the future? Could it be used against you? You know what I mean? Uh, This happens with insurance data. This happens with medical information. It's very, very sticky subject. But I do, I don't want to have to be the bad guy here. But one thing a lot of people forget in these conversations is that nowhere, absolutely nowhere is the ability to operate a motor vehicle considered some sort of inherent right. It is a privilege. That's why you have to do stuff like get registration. That's why you have to pass an exam. That's why you have to, you know, check in and renew your license. Uh, this, This means that ultimately the government, Uncle Sam, can make whatever rules they wish. If they wanted to say that now Everybody who wants to drive a car has to be wearing one of those Falcon hats at all times. Then they can do that. You know what I mean? You can't really stop it unless you take a case to the courts. This isn't to say that it's not still a problem, but um, drunk driving fatalities are significantly down historically. I mean, since 1982, they're down 52%. But that still represents a number, I think, in uh, according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, 36,560 people died in traffic crashes in 2018 in the U.S., um, and that included an estimated 10,511 people who were killed in drunk driving crashes. That's still, you know, a lot of people. But historically, you know, it is down because of things like, you know, Uber, ride chairs and all of that. Mm -hmm. And obviously with uh, smart cars in the future, that could help reduce that even more. I just, I I question whether we need a direct line to uncle Sam in our cars. Right. Sometimes these things are, these kind of broad brush initiatives are more successful when private entities kind of agree to just on their own to do them. Uh, Somebody will make a lot of money here. Whomever is manufacturing these devices uh, because it's a government mandate, they're going to have to, they're going to reach some kind of uniformity of standard. So they're, it's not as if you're going to have to buy an Apple breathalyzer or something and it could only be Apple. But I share the concerns because it goes back into the right of, right of ownership. What does ownership mean? As you said, Matt, it goes back into, uh, how much the government and associated entities should be able to know about what what you do, you know, and you can you can spin so many different scenarios, scenarios, as Jonathan Strickland over at our complaint department would say. Uh, but mwahaha, indeed, yeah, that's Jonathan Strickland at iHeartRadio.com. Uh, feel free to hit him up twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. So, so uh, this because it's so vague. It's something that we need to collectively keep eyes on. And we are increasingly, as a society, heading toward a world in which people are going to pay more and more for analog used vehicles. Like they're, they're going to go up. This is not investment advice. This is just an observation. And I think it is a very safe prediction to make. Uh, the argument is this. Is the government? while acting in good faith to prevent incredibly tragic deaths, 
are they, whether by design or by accident, opening the door to something else? That would be the slippery, the slippery slope. Personally, I don't know about you guys, uh, this, this seems inevitable to me that this kind of monitoring would, would continue. There's too much money to be made. Lives are at stake, no matter how hyperbolic some of the reporting would be. But like, you know, when your kids start driving, Matt, Noel, wouldn't, wouldn't you be happy that something like this was like in their car? Touche, Ben. Touche. I was just thinking about that the other day about how horrifying uh, <laughs> the prospect of my kid driving around in Atlanta traffic is. Uh, I'm not like an overly worrisome person, but there's a lot at stake, you know, um, you, you know, with your loved ones. Uh, it definitely puts it in perspective. That's a really good point, Ben. When you put it like that and I think in my mind uh, of what it's going to be like when my kid turns 16 and is driving around, I want every safeguard possible in place. So uh, surveil away, I guess, government. You got me there, Ben. Well, and it's weird to think because it's you're not talking about just the car surveilling your daughter or me, you know, in my case, the car surveilling my son. It's surveilling every person yes. they will encounter on the road. And, mm. you know, you're it's the thing you always talk about, Ben. We always take a gamble because of these. uh, <laughs> What is it? The the lines that we all decided oh, yeah, you're yeah, not yeah, supposed yeah. to cross. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. To recap, mm-hmm. expl- how silly will it be to explain to future historians? We used to hop in these machines that could go in excess of a hundred miles an hour. And if they hit each other, it would be a guaranteed disaster. And a lot of people died, not just every, uh, every year, but every week. And then they say, well, how did you, how, how did everybody continue driving in this madhouse? And you say, well, we painted these lines. And these lines, yeah, some of them are solid, yeah, some of them are dotted, dots, you know, they mean you know. different things. We got yeah. some, some of the paint's degraded yeah. when it rains, oh. you can't really see them. Ooh, <laughs> everything's all shiny. Uh, can we just go with like some Tron esque kind of laser lanes? You know, mm. that'd be cool. Let's let's spend our RD money on that technology. Yeah, let's also, mm. I think I mentioned this too, let's also have some more positive road signs. You know, all the road signs you see, at least in the U.S., the vast majority of them are things that you shouldn't do. Wrong way. Yeah. No exit. No left turn. The only slightly positive uh, road sign in the U.S. is keep going or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) You can do it. (laughs) Right. Uh, So we need more of those. Guys, I just thought of something and I feel like it totally applies. Um, My vehicle has this feature where it detects whether or not I'm in the center of the lane, okay? And it also has auto steering enabled so that if it detects that I'm not in the middle of the lane, it will steer the vehicle for me momentarily to get me back in the middle of the lane. Doesn't that feel jarring when that happens? Now, well, yes. And here's the problem. In our fair city of Atlanta, there are many places where roads have you know, had lanes going a certain way, especially on high speed areas like highways where they've been repainted or, you know, they've been moved slightly in mm-hmm. order for uh, construction to occur on one side of the highway and mm-hmm. maintain, you know, the lanes on the other sides. So frequently when I'm on the highway going, you know, fi- between 55 and 70 miles per hour, my vehicle thinks I'm not in the right lane. Because of the the way the lines are painted and the way they shift. And it tries to steer me into the next lane. And I have to prevent an accident by holding on to my steering wheel and counter turning. Now, imagine that kind of system where the vehicle believes it understands what's happening on the road, Mm -hmm. but it's wrong. So it makes an auto correction. And what if it's in the case that you're describing here, Ben, where it could literally shut your machine off how many more accidents could this technology cause when not operating correctly than it prevents and add to that everything can be hacked on that ominous note we're going to (laughs) pause for a word from our sponsors and we are going to return with more strange news uh during the break if we'd love to hear if you have any experience in this industry we'd love to hear your take on what the greater good is here, and whether Uncle Sam can actually pull it off. one eight three three std wytk conspiracy and stay tuned. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. And we're back with uh, another um, maybe lower stakes but equally creepy view into the future. Uh, Dare I say more even in the present for this one. Um, We know the technology for cloning uh, has existed for, you know, some time. We've got, you know, Dolly the Sheep and all that. Mm -hmm. It's certainly not as simple as like a cloning machine where you just step inside and then all of a sudden like a laser shoots into another uh, identical cloning machine and then another version of you walks out, you know, fully formed. That is not how that works. It requires a lot of trial and error. Uh, It's very expensive and can take many years um, to clone. And that's even today with, you know, the advances in technology. Um, And like any expensive technology, it's finally found its way into the hands of uh, social media influencers, which is always fun. Um, Specifically, Something called pet fluencers, which I, I mean, I guess there's every kind of fluencer you can imagine. Mm-hmm. There's pet influencers. These are folks whose bread and butter uh, is to, you know, pose on Instagram with their pets and uh, like lifestyle kind of pet, you know, related stuff. Um, is it like example, Grumpy Cat? Uh, well, that would be a little thing. different, I think. So these, uh, these are a little more specifically like. You know, they're like social media influencers who pose with their pets a lot. Grumpy Cat's sort of its own thing. I don't know if that would count as a pet fluencer. I think the pet fluencer is the person, and then the pet is like part of that uh, kind of duo. Or, so it's not like know, a vanity account just for the pet. 
like Loki. You no, know, the these, these are or, typically like folks that that are all about their life with their you know mm-hmm. furry friend. Um, like Udvar Hazy, for example, who's a 29 year old pet fluencer, um, who has recently used a company out of Texas called Viagen to clone her dog Willow. Uh, you may have heard of Viagen in the past. They made the news when they created a clone of Barbara Streisand's dog Samantha back in 2018. Through this process, Udvar Hazy uh, ended up with um, a, a clone of, of a Willow by the name of Phoenix, plus five other completely identically genetical puppies that she was able to give away to her friends. And she says that they have little lookalike get-togethers or whatever. There's a really cool article on input about this uh, with the very clever uh, headline, Bring in the Clones. Uh, Instagrammers are genetically replicating their pets. Um, so here's the deal. Uh, Wander with Willow is the name of Udvar Hazy's Instagram account. Um, there, you know, Ben, you make a good point. There, there is kind of a blurry line between whether it's you know exclusively for the animal, um, or if it's more of kind of like a joint account. Um, it, it does seem like a lot of the pictures on this account are the dog, but mm. um, they post together quite a bit too. It is, it's, it's definitely more of a lifestyle thing than like a kooky pet, you know, like um. <laughs> Grumpy Cat or Bingus, if anyone is familiar with the uh, hairless, uh, I believe, Siamese cat Bingus, who's very memeable. Uh, my kid is obsessed, and I, I find uh, it a little bit uh, disturbing. Yeah, um, hairless anyway. cats freak me out, man. I'm yeah, sure they're it's good. too pink. Yeah, it's too pink, and, and they pink? just look like something's, something's wrong. This one's pink. I'm partially, like, like, you know, looks... I'm partially colorblind, so. Oh, that's right. Yes, to me, that, it's just, it looks like chicken are. skin. It's like when we it, saw they, the well, pictures of mm-hmm. plucked ostriches. It's hundred percent not not a not a great look. Um, so this is becoming a, a thing. This is really like kind of picking up steam. Um, Tinker Bell, uh, who was a five pound uh, papatisse, um, who who had more than five hundred thousand followers on Instagram. Uh, the owner uh, of the team, I guess this 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 pet has a team. Um, revealed that in 2019, Tinker Bell's DNA uh, was being collected and stored for potential cloning. Um, another account I love the name of I party with Bruce Wayne, uh, which has 55,000 followers. Um, this one is all about these, this group of cloned chihuahuas. Um, and there's pictures of them all in like holiday sweaters, like all sitting together and they are indeed identical. Uh, th- this probably goes without saying, but I just want to say it anyway. When you clone an animal, um, it's not like you're reincarnating it, you know, like right. if your animal has died and you, you, you've, you've saved this material and you go through the process of creating the clone, it's, it's almost more akin to like in vitro fertilization than it is some sort of magical, you know, like <laughs> reproduction uh, process. Um, so your pet is it, it's going to look the same. It's going to be a genetically identical, but it's not like it's all of a sudden going to have the exact same personality um, as, as your pet that, that passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Melaine Rodriguez, who is a client services manager at uh, Viagen makes uh, this point, um, it's, you know, just to make sure that people understand what they're getting into. She makes the point in the input article that, you know, this is in many ways um, used by very wealthy people who are having a hard time coping, you know, with the loss of a pet. Um, This is a way that many of them are able to kind of like move forward. Um, Mm -hmm. But then she does note that uh, the pets aren't reincarnations, like I said Mm -hmm. before. They're going to have different personalities than the one that they were cloned from. Um, this is very, very expensive, by the way. Yeah. Each clone um, costs between $35,000 and $50,000, and that depends a lot on the animal. Um, and then Rodriguez describes the process like this. The eggs and the embryos are created in a dish and then transferred into the surrogate. Um, if you ever had a wonderful pet that you love so much, it's so hard to lose them. A lot of our clients are in that situation. And as we know, a lot of Instagram influencers uh, are quite wealthy, whether they were already wealthy 
And uh, that's sort of how they came to become Instagram influencers. That, that's often the case. Uh, or many of them hustled and, and, and absolutely scrapped and, and earned their, their followership from, from scratch uh, and, and maybe didn't come from wealth. And, and that's absolutely part of this, too. Um, Kelly Anderson is another pet owner and uh, influencer, pet fluencer, that is quoted in this input article. Um, and she's a dog trainer, and she had a cat named Chai, who uh, she described as being her soulmate. Um, and had a, you know, I mean, obviously, many folks have incredibly close connections to their pets, and losing mm-hmm. a pet is in many ways as painful as losing uh, any other loved one. Um, and she did the cloning in order to help her cope because she actually was so distraught that she wasn't able to continue doing what she normally would do. And and she is one who she, she says in the article that she built up her 64,000 uh, strong followership just kind of by being scrappy and, and resourceful. Uh, but when her cat died, she wasn't able to continue. And yeah. that was kind of like a real problem for her. Let me, let me ask this because now not to be too much of a caricature of myself, but I'm pretty cynical with some of these cases. So I was also looking up uh, on the Viagen website. I was reading some of their information. And at some point, for at least some of these accounts, we're talking about a business decision, at least in oh, yeah. part. You're making your income there, yeah. yeah, off of this. Uh, that range of pricing is like, 50 grand for a dog, 35 for a cat, which is interesting. And then there's a lot of interest in horse cloning because that can make right. a ton of money. Uh, but my, I, I can see this absolutely just being a reasonable investment. I like, I have the pet fluencer says, I have struck lightning in a bottle here or whatever, whatever figure of speech I'm muddling. And they say, I need, you know, uh, Rupert Goldie toes or whatever their dog's name is, to live forever so that I can continue my career as a pet influencer, then I'll have Goldie Toes too. Like, I, I don't, I'm not saying this means they don't deeply care for their animals, but I'm saying at some point it's inseparable, like half a million followers, and it's dependent upon the popularity of an animal that will naturally expire before the human owner does. That's right. And, 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 you know, it, you could probably, even if you're a cloned animal doesn't have the exact same temperament or personality, a lot of this is pictures and stills and stuff. And unless your, your, your animal's known for doing some kind of wacky trick or something like that, a lot of it is just about the look of, of the animal. And, and so, um, this is an opportunity that, uh, Viagen, uh, saw and is seizing on. Rodriguez, um, wouldn't go into specifics, you know, about, how many uh, pet fluencers are doing this um, specifically, you know, for the business side of it, but it clearly is something that they're considering because they go to all of these conferences. You know, I could picture them having a booth at like a pet fluencer conference. And, and she asks the question, if someone made a living off of their pet and then suddenly the pet's gone, what do you do then? Uh, and uh, apparently, you know, this is something that um, very much resonated with the folks that are going to these conferences. So uh, there's definitely that. But it also points out the article that um, it's not an easy process for the surrogate. Um, and as we know, it can take many years with many um, you know, trials and errors. So I don't know what that means, if that means that some of these attempts are like failing or that they're mm. like not. Are they in? Are, is this something where you could potentially generate, you know, uh, a clone that then dies, or is 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 in some way genetically unstable and 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 has some sort of horrible condition, is in pain? Like, how many failed attempts do you have to, you know, go through to make a viable clone? Mm-hmm. And are those failed? Do those failed attempts involve pain? For the animals, I don't know. And if anyone out there is in genetics and knows a little more about that, I'm interested because they don't talk about that. This isn't something they don't really tell you how the sausage is made exactly. Right. So I've got to wonder if some of these aren't viable and it takes that long. How many, you know, and I'm not trying to be macabre about it, but it, it makes me think of like, you know, body horror sci-fi type stuff like Cronenberg, where you maybe have like some sort of monstrosity or something, you know, mm-hmm. like that maybe is in some way. Uh, you know, like in pain and, and, and shouldn't exist. I, I don't know if that's the case. And I'm sorry if I'm being alarmist or extreme. No, I in, think in you're what my, where my imagination is going. But I have to imagine yeah, that's a possibility because. Yeah, it clearly is. All I know is that the fine folks at Viagen, Viagen or whatever it is, mm-hmm. 
they're asking for roughly the annual salary of most of us to make a clone of a pet. Right. It's like more expensive than some very high-end cars. It's what people make in a year. That Also, that number doesn't count sales tax, which further, the, the expense makes me further convinced that in many cases, uh, this is a business move. Uh, I think there's something else that's really dangerous about this that people haven't talked about. And I know some of us listening today are thinking the exact same thing. Is this so different from cloning a deceased loved one or human relative? Uh, currently, I don't know whether this is good news or bad news to everybody, but currently it is illegal to clone, to quote, knowingly clone people. So you could make a case if you're somehow a geneticist, you could make a case where you say, Your Honor, was I, was I upset about the death of my human loved one? Yes. But I did not know I was making a clone. I clearly am smart enough to do it. And this new person is alive. But uh, I, it was my bad. It was an accident. Like, how does that help hold up in court? I mean, people would question. do it, though, if it was legal, right? Like, if, well, if Viagen could clone humans legally, why not do it? Some other business would. But but do they, I don't understand, like, they would have to clone, like, a baby, right? I mean, it would, it's not like they would, it, it would be an embryo, and you have to go through the whole life cycle to get the person back to the age that you remembered them, and it would yes. be a whole other life. It's not like you, can, you can't clone their brain. I mean, you can't clone their fully formed memories and their brain and all that. I mean, there's so much weird Black Mirror rabbit holing to do with that uh, scenario with animals mm -hmm. is a little different, but it's not that different. Uh, not to mention something that input points out that I, I really agree with is that this is kind of, you could argue pretty decadent um, when there are, you know, six and a half roughly million animals in shelters, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. why not just carry on the memory of your beloved pet and give that love to uh, another animal that needs a home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're saying that we could have another Robin Williams in like 30 years, like if we started right now and we cloned mm -hmm. him, I'll take it. Let's do I, it. Yeah. That's the thing. There is some decadence. You know, I, while it's maybe not an expense that I myself would undergo or undertake, rather, I have a tough time telling people what to do with their own money. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. Like if you want, sure. if you want to, if you own horses, of course, you're inevitably going to, consider the breeding racing business. So paying 85 grand to clone a, an animal that has already made you millions, that just makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it makes a lot of sense in that department. You're right. Especially because I mean, I, I think I maybe mentioned this um, back when I was a reporter for public radio, I, in Augusta where I was, where I worked, where my bureau was, um, we have this thing called the futurity. It's like a big horse trading kind of like rodeo type event. And I went to an auction you know, for breeding rights for these horses. And they literally auction off semen yeah. that, you know, came from a prized uh, winning racehorse. So how is this any different than that? It's just like the next level of that. Um, so that's hmm. an interesting point, Ben. Do they use the same hats for that or is it a different mm -hmm. kind of yeah. thing? <clears throat> yep, it's true. <laughs> yeah, the horses just rub up on people's heads and then the yeah. hats collect the juice. A lot of good people died. Uh, but it is an industry. And also, Noel, I, I fully predict this will continue to evolve. You know, oh, the, of course. It, it's still, How could it not? Yeah, it's still imperfect. Uh, we don't have much information now on, you know, maybe the non-viable embryos that are created. We don't have that much information on. Uh, how far along an uh, uh, organism may get before it runs into some sort of problem. Like, I think it was, oh gosh, it was new scientists reported uh, a long time ago when the Dolly story was making the rounds that a lot of these animals were, like their attrition rate was pretty high. So the, I, I think there was one, I can't remember which, which experiment it was, but by eight, 100 days in after the cloning, 83% of the animals that have been cloned were dead due to one thing or another. So I would ask too, uh, if you are a pet influencer or you're just someone who really misses your your pooch or your parakeet or your cat or whatever, I, I would try to do some digging to figure out what that attrition rate is and whether it will actually work. 
You know what I mean? And what, like, what do you do if you, what do you do if you spend $50,000 cloning your dog and then that dog, that little cute little puppy you receive, unfortunately passes away in the night just a few months later? Do you get a refund? Do they just make a new clone? This is a really weird world we're entering. Got to read the terms of service. <laughs> God, yeah, no, exactly. Uh, it does feel like we're entering into sort of a Gattaca-esque uh, present and, and near future. No question about it. But um, something to keep an eye on for sure and how far something like this can go. Uh, but in the meantime, let's take a quick break for a sponsor word and then we'll be back with one more piece of strange news. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward, inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from ATT Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. ATT Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit ATT.com slash hypergig for details. And we're back. And we are headed to Griffin, Georgia. That is in our state. It is south of the city of Atlanta where we currently live. I don't know, guys. I would almost say middle of Georgia if Google Maps would actually function for me right now, but it's not. I know yeah. it's south of the city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I've got some uh I've got some contacts. I guess you could call them friends in Griffin. Uh and okay. it's <laughs> that was a shady way to say it, guys. Sorry. But it's um yeah, you're you're spot on. It's it's uh south kind of think of it as like a little less than halfway between here and another town called Columbus, which is right by the Alabama oh, yeah. Georgia border. That's a great way of putting it. Uh so we're headed there for this story. It's coming to us via NBC News. I'm gonna read you the headline here. Georgia pastor and wife charged with false imprisonment after people found in locked basement. Yikes. Now 
Yeah, if that Oof. isn't alarming, uh, I'm not sure what's going on with you, but uh, that certainly, <laughs> those words put together are alarming to me. And when you first get into reading about this story, it does seem quite alarming, but I'm going to make the argument throughout the rest of this segment, you guys, that maybe this isn't uh, as bad and as scary as it appears on the surface. Just going to make that argument and we'll see. Okay. We'll see where it goes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So how did this happen? How let's start there perhaps. Well, according to this article, there was an emergency call made from a house in Griffin, Georgia. And when emergency services and crews showed up, they attempted to gain access to the house and they were unable to do so. They went around to a back door, which is near the garage area of this house, and there is a door to the basement. And they could tell that the person that was in need, that the emergency crews were sent out for, was inside the basement, but it was locked. And the people inside the basement could not open the door and escape. So the emergency crews made entry via a window in that basement, found the person in need, and were able to help them. Then... They determined that, oh, wait, there are a lot more people in this basement than this one person who was in need of emergency services. And I believe they found eight people in total locked. Mm -hmm. Yes, eight people in total locked inside the basement of this residential home. And the authorities discovered very quickly that the people who were running this house were the people who were locked in the basement. Uh, It was Keith Bankston and Sophia Sim Bankston. They're a married couple, and they run a church which is called One Step of Faith, Second Chance. I, that this name is, stuck out to me too. One Step of Faith, Second Chance. And also the, uh, the writer in me does have to point out that they wrote out one, but they used the number sign for two, uh, which is yeah. just, okay. It's a bit strange. There but, are bigger issues. Know. I'm the first to say it. There are bigger issues. I just think it's a weird name. I'm, I'm, this is what I'm trying to do and not pass judgment until we need to. Okay. So the name, I agree. I've got notes, (laughs) but, but they've got a ministry that they run. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, it is certainly a bit strange that in this house that is associated with their ministry, there were eight people locked in the basement. What we haven't told you yet is that all of the eight people were either elderly, were wards of the state had mental or physical disabilities. Uh, It was some combination of those. The ages were, I believe, between 23 and 65 Mm -hmm. of people who were kept there. Almost immediately upon being found in the basement, six of the individuals who were down there were basically, they were made to leave that housing situation and they were put in other places. Um, Again, many of these people were, quote, wards of the state. So they were probably put in some kind of facility. One person did choose to remain. Have you seen the movie We I Care a Lot or We Care a Lot? I believe is what it's called. It's got Peter Dinklage in it and um, Rosamund Pike. It's about wards of the state and, and like people people oh, that are, God, you know, yes. they take advantage of that um, because you know what happens when you become a ward of the state is you essentially are stripped of a lot of your civil rights or your civil liberties, you know, you are uh, in some, you are kind of a, literally what it sounds like, a ward of the state in that you um, are kind of held in many ways against your will. Like you, sometimes it's a psychiatric hold that's put on you or whatever it might be. And you lose a lot of autonomy and the film's about some very opportunistic hucksters that take advantage of the system. But mm-hmm. uh, it is a pretty scary place to be. This happens to one degree or another in many other examples we're talking about in the legal sense would be, I guess, an unlicensed care home because they didn't have mm. the correct uh, paperwork or zoning. And that's that's one of the contentions, at least when I was watching the story earlier, that's one of the contentions I think they're going to sort out in court, right? Yes, that is the primary issue here. They were attempting to run a, you know, a facility like this for people who needed housing, but they didn't have the correct paperwork filed. They didn't, you know, they didn't have the licenses to make it happen. Um, the, the weird thing is that the police department and, you know, I guess the state of Georgia, I don't know, maybe it's just the County that's pressing charges against this couple. Uh, they're saying that it was false imprisonment. They, mm-hmm. they were keeping people imprisoned in the basement of this home. What 
you know, the attorneys for the couple are saying is that no, it was not false imprisonment. It was actually them housing people who needed a place to live. And it was, it was literally faith outreach allowing, you know, people to stay in a place that has food, warmth, uh, water, and all the things that a human needs. Um, this is where it gets a little strange to me. We don't have all the information yet. We don't know if the individuals who were staying there were actually being taken advantage of financially in any way by this couple, by the Bankston couple. We don't know as of right now what all was happening to them. It, like what, what type of care was being provided for them? You know, I, we don't have a ton of details here about whether or not the facilities were in all, you know, all in working order if the facilities were clean or what it was like. And we don't actually know for sure. We can't prove right now whether people were allowed to come and go as they please, as the Bankstons and their attorneys have said. Right. You just hear the, uh, (laughs) the sentence locked in a basement and your mind kind of goes places, you know? Yeah, exactly. You mentioned a video about the story. You can go to 11alive.com. That's 11alive.com. And you can find the story, Attorney Disputes Claims After Pastor Wife Face False Imprisonment Charges in Unlicensed Group Home Investigation. You can hear from Mr. Wimbush, who's the attorney for this couple. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can get a little more information on it. You can also head on over to the website, onestepoffaithministriesinc.com. Yeah. And you can read about the couple. You can read about what they do. And by the way, this is what I wanted to bring up, Ben, the second chance thing, the second chance part of the name has to do with outreach. They do for those who have been incarcerated. So, uh, felons who are now attempting to reenter the workplace and, and all basically find their way forward. They do a lot of outreach there and attempt to help people, which I think is awesome. Noble. Yeah. And this is like, um, this is a nonprofit second chance program yes. uh, does have its nonprofit status. I do want to give a shout out to the lawyer uh, because Bankston's lawyer's full name is Dexter Wimbish, which mm-hmm. sounds like it is from a book. It doesn't sound like a, I mean, it's just, it, there's something uh, that tickles me about, about Dexter Wimbish. I might use that mm-hmm. as an alias going forward. <laughs> but this uh this this is true and I love that you're pointing out we don't have we being the public don't have all the details here. Are these people were were they truly held against their will? Uh was their money they were receiving state subsidies. Were these subsidies being managed by this couple uh which that itself is not inherently bad especially if there is some sort of like legal guardianship in play. We just don't know at this point. And I'm not, you know, I take on spirituality, religion aside, I have a policy of never knocking anybody if they're trying, sincerely trying to help other people. You know what I mean? Recidivism is just so high in the U.S., a hundred percent. And a lot of these people, you know, either won't find their way to the services that they need uh, or, you know, fall through the cracks of, you know, government services. So sometimes it is uh, helpful or necessary for people to take steps to to help these folks, you know, when they can't help themselves. I, this is something that strikes me just a little funny on the website in, in the um, bio for uh, for the pastor, for Curtis Bankston. It's just like it's some pretty over-the-top, self-aggrandizing language. Uh, He's described uh, as a biblical scholar and arguably one of the greatest visionaries and orators of his generation. Oh, you can can get away with anything if you slap arguably on it. That's That's arguably the best point I I made today. I I, I would agree, (laughs) arguably. Um, But I don't know. Again, not not throwing them under the bus yet before they've had their day, but like it's, uh, that that struck me a little weird. But uh, anyhow. I I don't disagree with you. Uh, that's a bit, that's a bit much. Uh, I don't know who wrote that. Uh, oh, I'm sure they wrote it themselves. I'm sure all the copy <laughs> on here. That's when you write, yeah, that's why like, you always like, like to write your own bio. <laughs> yeah. It's such a tricky, uh, dance, you know? And also, you know, the, the mission statement on their website is bringing people to Christ, um, through the following acts, sort of headings, feeding the hungry, clothing, the naked, housing, the homeless, and helping the brokenhearted find a way out through Christ. All noble pursuits, but again, very like Christ-like, you know, almost like casting this couple 
in this, you know, very, very holy kind of light, uh, yeah. almost to the point of it feeling a little, a little culty to me. I don't know. Well, maybe who knows? Look, here, here's the thing. I know I'm not directly helping anyone in, you know, extreme need like that actively right now. And they may have been. So to me, that's just like, until there's all the information, a headline and story, like, you know, a bunch of people found in a basement because this pastor locked him up in there. Uh, that just is the kind of thing that makes me feel, feel like that's kind of what our, that's what we do now. Yeah. Uh, it's the, it's the thing that's going to get clicks. Right. And that's the way people are going to think about this pastor and his spouse now in the ministry, even if it's found, you know, months from now, a year from now that no, they actually weren't, there was no false imprisonment. They just needed to get licenses. Uh, Just to devil's advocate here. I mean, not not, a quote from the police report. It does say it is both frightening and disgusting to see the degree of which these individuals have been taken advantage of by people who were in a position of trust. That's in the police statement. That is what the police say. Not saying that's wrong. We just have no context for what any of those descriptors are are talking about. Like, how were they taken advantage of? What do you mean? And that's where we get to the idea of the court of public opinion, which is tremendously, tremendously powerful. Retractions are never printed on the front page, right? And retractions are also often uh, never covered by the news because they don't garner as much immediate visceral uh, attention and reactions. Like I always think this is a little bit of a different example, but a number of years ago, there was a story that was making the rounds about a person, a, a McDonald's customer who sued the company for having coffee that was too hot. And late night talk shows definitely made a meal of this. The joke being a not super creative observation that coffee is often served hot unless you know they say it's iced <laughs> coffee. And I get it because you got to do a show every day. So you got to have some jokes, right? But later you would find if you bother to look it up, that this was not a frivolous lawsuit. It just became treated as such based on the court of public opinion. So when you hear stories like this, and again, I love that you point this out, Matt, know that we are not making a judgment call here. What we're saying instead is there does need to be more information and we're relaying to you the things that have been said already from from the guy's attorney uh, to the police who did say they thought it was reprehensible. And the attorney did acknowledge that they do not have that license, but that they were going to get it. Yeah, he called it something like, this may have been in 11 Alive, or it may have been in WAGA, but the the attorney said the case was a, quote, zoning issue that has become criminalized. Yep, that's exactly what they said. And we'll just have to keep a lookout. I don't know, it's a weird one to bring to the table today, guys. Uh, it's just... That headline really just stuck out to me so much that I wanted to have this discussion. And I just wonder you, as you're, you know, listening to this and reading news every day, like just wonder what you think when you read some of the headlines and then you delve into the story and find out what it's actually about and what you do and you don't know and just how it makes you feel. We would love to hear from people don't even bother reading the below the headline, you know, and in this case. It'd be a real disservice to everyone involved, I think. Also, this brings up a bigger issue. It's one that I, I've, I've been thinking of as an as a episode for stuff that I want you to know for a long time, which is the treatment of the elderly in this country, especially. Uh, it is, it's very dark. You know what I mean? Uh, they're in pre-COVID, pre-staff shortages and stuff. There were, there were some very terrible, unclean things going on. And there were also very wonderful people who were trying their best to help folks who needed help. Uh, the trouble is that authorities often have a hard time figuring out which institution is which. So this stuff doesn't have, no matter what happens with this case in Georgia, I guarantee you there are probably many other similar situations happening right now as we record. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, Ben, we should tack onto that episode. Those who are in need of some kind of mental health support, but that support just doesn't exist anymore or it's been taken away. 100%. Uh, all right. 
So I guess that's it, guys. Uh, we, we would love to hear from you. If you have any information on this story, any of the ones that we talked about today, you can reach us in many different ways. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter and Facebook. We are Conspiracy Stuff. You can also find our videos on YouTube, where we are Conspiracy Stuff. And on Instagram, we are Conspiracy Stuff Show. But guys, wait, what if someone hates social media? Get with the times, folks. No, I'm kidding. It's totally an understandable thing to hate. Uh, you can go old school and give us a telephone call at one stdwytk Yes, and when you call in, please give yourself a cool nickname. Let us know if we can use your voice and message on the air in one of our listener mail episodes. You've got three minutes. Use it however you'd like. If you've got more to say than can fit in that three minutes, instead, consider sending us an email. We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.